From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 252, and today I'm joined by actor Cody Crane. You've seen Cody on TV shows like Ghosts. He's also a podcaster with podcasts like Spooked and the Survivor podcast Merge Boot, which I was just on recently. Also joining us is Ken Cooperus, the showrunner of Hudson and Rex, along with his son Parker and my son Ephraim. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch Pure Luck. I'm Jeremy. I have seen this film, but probably not since I was my son's age. Speaking of which, I'm here with... Ephraim. And you've not seen the movie? No. Yeah. Also with us is... Hi, I'm Parker. I've never, ever seen this film. I've never even heard of this film, so I'm very excited. (laughs) I'm Ken. I have not seen this movie, um, and that was intentional because... Um, when it first came out in the very early 90s, uh, I saw the commercial and uh, I was so repulsed by the commercial. <laughs> Despite the fact that I'm a huge comedy guy, a huge comedy nerd, and see every comedy, like this one just like rubbed me the wrong way in the trailer and I never went. Nice. I'm Cody and despite owning this for almost four years probably, I have never seen it. <laughs> I love that I'm the only person that has seen this movie. Uh, I, I want to say, I'm going to put an asterisk beside this, that this was definitely a movie I really enjoyed as a kid. Uh, I'm going to put an asterisk with it because that doesn't mean it aged well. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm sure it's full of big, I remember like big dumb set pieces. Yeah. Uh, but also, I, I think I was younger than you from like, I'd have to look up the year of this movie. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 1990 or 91. Yeah. So I feel I would have been like eight or nine when I saw it. So... Uh, yeah. Subject to dumb jokes would have been my forte at the time. Not that they're not now. I mean, that's probably the perfect age for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so we're all, so we're all kind of grown up kids. You know, I actually like now that I'm you know older. Like I, I'm finding that I'm really enjoying this style of comedy again. Like, um, well, I'm not sure I ever enjoyed it when I was younger, but um, the really kind of slapsticky, goofy stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I've just I'm I've just kind of found a new love for so. I'm Great. excited. Do you know any about this movie, Parker? I don't know. I literally haven't heard of this movie. I found out about it yesterday. <laughs> what do, you, do you know anything from? Nope. Nothing. Can you? Okay, just based on the title <laughs> alone, I want you to guess what it's about. Pure luck. Okay. It's about a guy. <laughs> sure. And he's really lucky. And it's pure. <laughs> Great job. There you go. Good guess. Good guess. So what do you two know about this movie? I know absolutely nothing. <laughs> like, I looked at the back of the DVD case uh, just the other day when I pulled it out of my chest, and I was like, okay, Martin Short, all right. 
And that's all I know. Like, I don't even think it says a description on there. So if I had to guess, pure luck and this time period, it's got to be like some kind of lottery ticket situation. Okay. Um, The commercial actually, like, kind of tells the story a little bit. So I'm actually not going to get into it because I don't want to blow it. I just, I just think that it is, it's a, it's a buddy comedy. That's all I can really say, without kind of giving away the set pieces, because the commercial, uh, the trailer really does give yeah. that stuff away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, great. Well, then let's just dive in, since most of you know nothing. Yeah. I'm very excited by this. <laughs> <laughs> let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished. And <laughs> what, yeah, what a delightful little comedy. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. It gets funnier as it goes. Which is like kind of a trope of like 80s comedy. Like um, it's so different from today's comedy. Right? Yeah. Like uh, even though this is early 90s, it's um, like it's they're more charming and they like slowly the stakes kind of raise very slowly. Yeah, they 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 definitely allow for more setup time. Mm-hmm. Like you don't necessarily like now. I watch it just as someone who makes comedies, where it's just like when I watch a test screening, if someone's not laughing in the first five minutes, I'm like, it's not working. We're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you know. Where this, like, there's not a solid laugh. I mean, I'm sure, you know, all the the hit and the prats and the falls and yeah. that kind of stuff got more laughs in the '80s when it first came out. But there wasn't, like, a solid, solid laugh for me for, like, at least <laughs> well into the second act. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the first half relies too, too hard on the gimmicks of mm. the movie. I think, I think as it goes on, they get a lot more creative with, with, the, with the concept. And I, I like that it gets funnier as their relationship develops. I think once their chemistry starts to form, it doesn't have to rely on the gimmicks so much. The first half has a lot of... Oh no, he bumped into something. In the second half, it's a lot of comedy based on information they know about each other. Yeah. And like the relationship they form and how they start to worry about each other. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the first half, they're really relying on the audience's love of Martin Short. <laughs> yeah. Like at the time, where now, you know, Martin Short hasn't started a movie in two decades. You know, with the exception of uh, the recent uh, Apple show, he, or not Apple, Disney Plus sh- or Star Show, I guess. Yeah. He does with uh, Steve. You know, he hasn't really done much in the last little bit, so mm-hmm. it doesn't give you that grace and that love. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was completely sold right from the start. <laughs> <laughs> I was all in. Cody drank the Kool-Aid hard. Yeah, this this movie got me. I, was, I knew where it was going immediately, and I was like, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> um, I thought that she did great right off the start. I, I don't know that actress, but like... Yeah, I thought that she was incredible right off the beginning. I was sad not to see more of her. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to think of where I knew Scott Wilson from, and then I was like, okay, Herschel from The Walking Dead. Yeah. That was... Yeah, that was like... Because I've only seen two seasons before I gave up on The Walking Dead, but that was one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I was like, okay, yeah. And I I liked him a lot in the movie. And then, I'm not going to say this was a perfect movie. (laughs) (laughs) No? This was a perfect Danny Glover, Martin Short movie where it was completely written around their strengths. I feel like this movie, they got Danny Glover and they got Martin Short and they're like, make a movie around this, these two people. And that's what they came up with because it completely seemed like it was written for both of them. 
Yeah. Or at least tailored once they wrote them into it. Yeah. I wonder if you go, uh, I could look on the IMDb, because I'm curious. It's always one of those things where I wonder if they, they had it for somebody else, and they weren't available, so Danny Glover stepped in or whatnot. But I, it definitely feels tailored. Yeah, I can't imagine this being for anyone else. Well, especially, like, it had to have been Danny Glover at the very least. Yeah. Well, it's a typical, like, wacky sidekick straight mm. man. Yeah. yeah. But he's not, like, you know, the funny thing about Danny Glover is, you know, he's a really funny actor that gets cast a lot in comedies. Yeah. Um, and he's just playing Murtaugh, right? Like, this comes off a lethal weapon. Like, he's, uh, they clearly went, we want a Murtaugh type, and yeah. someone went, Let's just get Murtaugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, this and Gone Fishing, like, he does a lot of these wacky comedies, and, and, and he doesn't, I mean, always playing kind of the more straight man role, but um, he's very funny. Yeah. He's, he's a very funny straight man. What did you think, Eve? Uh, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah? Well, <laughs> well, you were into it. Yeah. Yeah, what parts did you, so what parts did you like? Everything. You like everything? Yeah. The ending's fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's great. It's like that t- t- crazy 80s ending for sure, like where it just. I knew we didn't have enough time to wrap up anything. <laughs> I, with, with the way the movie's going, I was like, this is gonna have a completely out of nowhere ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly they're gonna they're gonna get saved somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're indestructible, right? Like they, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like they're lucky, but they're unlucky, and yet they're not. It's a little confusing. Because halfway through the movie, like, it seems like the luck has shifted. That was just, just for one scene. For, for one, one scene, scene, suddenly he's winning at cards. Uh, Martin Short's winning at cards. And uh, and Danny Glover is suddenly the unlucky one. And it never really explains what happened there. And then it goes back. And then it just swings just, back just, the way. I think he passed it off with that, like, hand, like, holding his hand, like, thanking him for doing the plane on his own. Kind of thing. That's right. the moment where it kind of shifted back to Martin Short. Right. Huh. So, and then the bee went on him after he did yeah, that. Yeah. So that was my best explanation for that. Because it was, it was like really out of nowhere where it was like, okay, but... It seems like such a weird yeah. thing. That for, especially in a movie like this that is not about nuance. <laughs> like, it's a weird thing to just randomly shift something like that in the middle where it's not about a curse. Because this isn't a yeah. curse movie. No. It's yeah. just this dude has been unlucky his entire life. Yeah. But there's also like there's also a bit of a disconnect in the idea that not only is he lucky, but what the movie posits is that the people around him are the ones that get hurt by his bad luck. Mm-hmm. Right. Um or and you know, specifically, you know, the woman uh the, the woman character, um I already forgot her name. Um she's Valerie Heisman. Valerie Heisman, yeah. I mean she's only in three minutes of the movie, but um, you know, she burnt a village down, <laughs> you know, like it's, and, and so, you know, Danny Glover's the one that gets shot in the leg. And yeah. so it's like, it's, there's a bit of a disconnect about like how this luck affects the, the, the person who is like ground zero for the bad luck. Well, even, um, and, and Scott's character gets shot down because yeah. he's, yeah. cause he's in proximity to Martin Short. <laughs> yeah. I, I think with the ending, too, it left in a way where they were like, oh, maybe this is just big, we do a sequel. But also, you could look at it with these two superpowers of being so unlucky when they finally collide, that's finally their demise. They have to die. <laughs> oh, so that's Perfect. how you took the ending. Yeah. <laughs> Cody's a real half, half glass empty. Yeah. I, guess. I, will, I will say, 
I didn't appre- I didn't like that they, we had to have like three different scenes where they wake up in a hospital. Yeah. I thought that kind of broke up the pacing a little bit where it was like, I mean, one of them was the ending, so that's forgivable. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it was like, there was like, it was like, airport, uh-oh, we gotta go to the hospital. And then in the middle of the movie, they're like, oh, we gotta go to the hospital. At the end yeah. of the movie, oh, we gotta go to the hospital. It's like... They spend a lot of time in hospitals. <laughs> yeah. it's a, to that point, too, it's, it's because, I mean, you don't get to know Valerie very much, but Martin Short doesn't come off as, like, an idiot. He comes off as kind of, like, a fool triumphant. Yeah. But, like, is he not aware? Like, he makes little comments like, oh, yeah, planes never go off on time. Like, he's just so used to all this mm-hmm. that it's yeah. normal, so he doesn't think it's weird. But he's never, like, noticed that this doesn't happen to other people. Like, the movie yeah. believes that he's totally oblivious to the fact that he's unlucky. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's saying, definitely, because <laughs> he asks, he, he questions it a few times, you know, oh, that doesn't happen to you? You know, so it's like, yeah, he's, he's just his, normalized Yeah, it. the normal movie wants us to believe he's got his entire life and never went, I'm an unlucky person. Yeah. But also, <laughs> but they do the, the, the smart comedic thing where they just make him an incredibly optimistic, positive mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Where if it was Danny Glover's character, he would recognize it right away. Which he did. Which he did. As soon as, but as soon as it shifted over. <laughs> I'm glad they explored that, at least, of shifting the luck. I, yeah. I was, it, I was happy with it. I like the concept of it. Yeah. It just doesn't, it just didn't seem to have, it's like, what are the rules yeah. Yeah. of this world, right? Yeah. Um, and what was, oh, I lost my train of thought, but um, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I think most of the like themes this movie tries to explore could have been push- pushed farther. Like yeah. the, the, the whole idea of them switching roles could have been pushed farther. The whole idea of those getting hurt around them, as opposed to the people on being unlucky themselves, that could could have been pushed farther. The whole idea of solving this case through this theory. I wish the theory was more developed in general. Yeah. The theory of mm-hmm. two people being so unlucky that they're bound to bump into each other. I think that could have been pushed yeah, farther. Yeah, that, that is a in, very interesting thing. If this was made today, like, the, un, the you know, the set pieces would be, like, insane. Yeah. You know? So much bigger. Yeah. Yeah, they're very tame. It's very tame, and it, and that's what makes it so charming, is, I, you know, it feels, it feels, even though it's crazy, it feels a little more real than what you would, you know, see in today's comedy. Yeah, they push it they push it too far to the point where it would be cartoon. Like you said, they, it would be funny right out the gate, right? It would be like immediately this it would be huge. You know, if it was Will Ferrell, it would be um, you know, from frame 1, it would be like huge comedy. Yeah, and you'd probably start you'd probably start with the Martin Short character. Yeah. You know, something terrible happening to him or just start with her but it would just be way more epic. Mm-hmm. It it gets pretty late before you're introduced to Martin Short, let alone Danny Glover, who's like another ten minutes yeah. after that. Yeah, I mean, and even in that, that first scene with him, it's just it's just literally come down and sit down. See, didn't work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was I I liked seeing Harry Shearer. That's a lot of fun, but it it seemed like he was like it was a completely different movie. Like all that stuff just went away. We never saw him again after they, yeah, that was after they left on their trip. Like, and they spent a lot of time with Harry Shearer, set, uh, setting up the idea that he'd been studying Martin Short, and like yeah. it was his idea, and he kind of put it all forward, and he kind of ha- uh, he's going to write a paper on him and all this stuff, and then he's just gone. But you got to keep up the laughs. You need the Martin Short comedy. <laughs> Harry Shearer's character was not funny. No, yeah, he exactly. was dead serious, and and like it's almost like it would that would have been the character that ended up going with him in like you know in a different version of this movie. 
Mm. Yeah. But, I, but I think it was better to have someone who didn't understand. Oh, I, I, I agree. I, I, Danny Glover was perfect for that. I, I mean, I just love Danny Glover. So yeah. I actually thought Danny Glover was um, was stronger than Martin Short. Yeah, because because Danny's Glover stuff stuff holds up, or Martin Short's stick feels <laughs> aged and bedated. Yeah, I mean Martin Short's great. Like you know, he goes too big sometimes. Like a guy like Jim Carrey can pull that off. When Martin yeah. Short does it, it feels a little disingenuous. The funniest parts were when he just did a subtle, uh, like a little subtle face thing. Yeah, like when he was sinking in the sand. That's that probably was, that was probably the funniest scene for me, and it was so subtle. He wasn't even moving; he was just standing there, and just the look on his face like told the whole story. Yeah, I like the beat when he goes to the fifty dollar hooker, and, and after she slaps him, he just he bows to her. <laughs> but like for example, to to what you were saying, like the scene where the, the police, the chief or whatever, is blowing the smoke. And he and he's like he's just making all those faces. It's yeah. just like oh, a lot of close-ups in this movie. <laughs> Very, you know, comedy is best told wide, and there was yeah. so many close-ups. Yeah, and I'm not sure what, I, but I think again, I think they're cashing on the fact that I, I I'm not, I don't know, I can't remember where this falls in like Martin Short's filmography, but I think they're definitely cashing in on like the audience's love of Martin Short. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's a very funny actor. You know, he's done a lot. He, I think he's done a lot more than you think he has. Oh, he's um, done tons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like, he hasn't, he's, I mean, he hasn't led a ton of movies. He hasn't been, like, you know, um, um, but he's, he, he's been all over the comedy landscape in the, in the 90s and, and early 2000s. The, uh, I'm just looking up the, the trivia on this. So, this is a, a remake of a French film. Oh, oh really? I think I knew that. I think I remember. He- I-, I think I remember hearing that. Starring Gerard Depardieu with oh, uh, Danny that, Glover. That character. doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and Martin Short, his hair is red because he had to keep it that way because he had to go back and do reshoots for Clifford. Clifford, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course, not the big red dog. He was playing this. He was, he was like a ten-year-old, ten-year-old man-child. No, uh, literally a ten-year-old boy. Oh, right. It was yeah. like. He was he was himself, but playing a ten year old boy like Jack. No, there, no, like in the story, he's ten years old, and you're not supposed to realize he, that he's an adult. He's just as himself. He's playing uh, a kid. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What? Yeah. That sounds and, great. And, and surprisingly, it kind of works. Okay. <laughs> it's because Charles Grodin's so funny, but right, 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 right. It's uh, yeah. So he's just he's playing a ten year old boy, but as himself. I feel like I've seen that movie, but I don't remember it at all. Yeah. I must have seen that movie. Crazy. <laughs> um, what else? What else? I'm looking up Nadia. Trying to look up Nadia Taz, the director. The internet's slow. I do think I do think that Martin Short works best um, in smaller doses as a as a um, part of an ensemble, like Three Migos, for yeah. instance. Yeah. Or um, Mumford, or any number of. Of smaller roles, although Inner Space, I guess he was the number two in that, and he was great. Inner Space, I, I want to revisit. I'm scared to revisit it because as a kid, it was one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I, 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 I had the Blu-ray and I haven't watched it yet. I can, maybe that's why I feel the same way because I saw it like five times in the theater. It was one of my all-time favorite movies. You got the Blu-ray? Yeah. Oh, we're doing it because you haven't seen it already. From have you seen it, Parker? I've not seen it. Oh, oh. that's gonna happen because <laughs> that's definitely one of the, like one of my favorite '80s movies. Yeah, so, I, I don't want to ruin the setup. I think I know what it's about. I, I, I've been trying to get him to watch it for years, 
Uh, not lately, but I used to always go, let's watch Interspace. Let's... Well, it's because <laughs> the concept sounds ridiculous from what I remember. That was years ago. It's I... basically nanotechnology, right? In a weird way? It's like precursor to nanotechnology? Well, it's... it's, it's, uh, it's um, um, what's it called? Uh, what's, what's the story of inner... inner um, well, he gets shrunken down. Dennis Quaid like gets shrunken down. Yeah, inside, yeah. Like, a, like, like what's the famous science fiction story about go about going into? No idea. I won't get it right if you even if you even say the name. <laughs> it was on the tip of my tongue, and now it's it's disappeared. But essentially, uh, Dennis Quaid, who you're probably not familiar with as an actor, you from, uh, plays a, a, like a pilot that goes on this mission. He gets shrunk down. He's put in because the idea is like you're, is to navigate inside the human body. For reasons I can't recall, <laughs> uh, so the Fun. movie so the movie can happen is, is the reason. But then uh, he ends up getting but put in anyway. High yeah, yeah, so and he ends up inside Martin Short's body. So they're testing. They're testing him. Um, yeah, they're testing the nanotechnology. I think the idea is that um, Dennis Quaid's kind of an astronaut, right? But so but instead of going out of space, he's going to inner space. And I think they're testing this uh, the shuttle that he's in. To you know, some sort of like technological wonder of like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know fixing medical conditions or something, um, and then the, and then it's the 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 lab is broken into, and to protect it, they take the syringe that he's in in his ship because they've already shrunk him down, and he gets injected into Martin Short's ass. All right, yeah. and then yeah, and, why why does it have to be the ass? Because it's funny. It's funny, man. Why does it have to be the ass? Oh, Come on, my Parker. mistake. <laughs> yeah. Because that's where you inject somebody for comedy. Now it would be the dick. He'd get shot. And yeah. Get shot I mean, dick. it's it's actually a very funny movie. And the effects were amazing At in, the, in the day. Oh, I can't they imagine them now. They are going to stink now. But they're going to be terrible. But there's enough, like, great comedy in it that I think it will overcome. We're, it's gonna, we're going to make it happen because that that's definitely one that I wanted to revisit with uh, with the kids. Right. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed Danny Glover. The, the scene that made me laugh, and I think all of us did, was the poor man being burned. Like the trauma of the trauma of the poor village guy. But then Danny Glover wouldn't stop giving it to oh, him. Oh, but that's just good comedy, man. Just, <laughs> that was classic you comedy right that. there. It was the abrupt finish of each scream yeah. though, too that really got it. I wonder if this movie is what is what uh, gave Martin Short the idea for the Jiminy Glick character. It was actually. Oh, okay. yeah, he said that. I was just gonna say that he uh, he actually uh, talked about that on a, in a Larry King interview that this is what made him want to play more of a fat suit. <laughs> So, if, do you guys know who Jiminy Glick is? I do not. So, Jiminy Glick is a character that Martin Short did where he basically interviews... So it was kind of like a precursor between two ferns in a weird way. Yeah. Right? Where he just... He interviews he's like Hollywood. He's like a Hollywood gadabout gad getting interviews. <laughs> yeah. But he roasts them, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so, if you go on YouTube and type in Jiminy Glick, there's some pretty funny ones out yeah. there. There's a good one where he did... Uh, he, he did a really funny one with Spielberg, I think. Or, or some... Or Scorsese. Like... One big director he did, and it was hilarious because they played it so straight. Yeah. And it looked like they were going to kick the shit out of him. <laughs> it was very, very, very funny. Nice. Uh, what else to say about Pure Luck? The um, Speaking of uh, kicking the shit out of the fight of uh, Martin Short just trying to attack Danny Glover, <laughs> the thing that got me the most was the 
no sell of a straight karate chop to oh, the neck where Danny Glover doesn't move or react to it at all. <laughs> bounces and it right off. Bounces off. That visual just will stick with me for a very long time. <laughs> I love that, that that whole secret. And that's the climax of the movie. Right? <laughs> yeah. It really is. Because... I love the bit of like, like three, two, one, go, and then he. But he's like taking his time. He grabs the keys. I'm getting my stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I take it back. It is a perfect film. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slow burn, though. It is an interesting thing in '80s comedies. Like I remember back when we were when I was um, about to shoot James versus Future Self. We did like a Danny Stern a thon. Yeah. Um, before he came, he came to location, and just watching like uh, City Slickers. The setup time for that movie, like the amount of time they take setting up the premise yeah. and everything, that would happen in like it takes them literally until the second act till they get out where they're on in the desert and riding around. Like that would yeah. be ten minutes in the movie now. Well, Spies Like Us, another one that is like hysterical, super funny movie, takes fifteen twenty minutes before Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd enter the picture. There's a whole super long sequence of like the spy setup of them just going down tunnels and like what you know walking with briefcases and it's like crazy i remember seeing as a kid going this movie's gonna suck because like (laughs) 10 minutes in like nothing had happened and then it ended up of course being one of the greatest comedies ever yeah and it's funny because it's, it's i think it's because we now live in this era where you know, because we're not going to the video store. People, I think the thing they got away with was that either you're watching in the movie theater, so you've already bought mm-hmm. your ticket, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Or you're renting it and taking it home, so you're committed to watching it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, so we're now where we live in this era of, I can watch something and turn it off, and it might not cost me anything. Yeah. You know, every minute counts. Yeah. Of the, which is not a bad thing. I'm a big fan of efficiency in storytelling. But there is something about that old concept of like, just let us let us give set up the story how we want to set it up and take our time, but just knowing that the audience might not stick with you is is kind of a terrifying thing as a, as a storyteller. It's because everything yeah. is so accessible and disposable now. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I mean, we live in the we live in the era of Judd Apatow comedy and and um, um, but that's far American from, Pie comedy, right? right? But Judd Apatow is hardly like short comedies either right like his things usually clock in over two hours no but it's like out of the gate it's laughs right like it's like you enter the enter the theater the second the lights are lights go down you know you gotta have a big opening sequence yeah it's and 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 bridesmaids as well like it's that's the new school of comedy is like it has to be funny immediately like will ferrell like all his movies Right yeah. out the gate, funny, funny, funny. Yeah, and even if you don't open with some kind of a big set piece, at least there's just lots of great banter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like 80s movies, halfway through the movie, sometimes they turn into dramas. Well, that's just it, yeah. And even like, mm-hmm. but even like their repertoire here isn't as funny. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they don't bounce off each other uh, in a good or bad way in a way that they would now. Just like yeah. their shtick would be stronger. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. not improvised. Like, there's no, like, rapid fire back and forth where like there's just like the immediacy of like verbal uh tennis you know jokes it's like it's a script and they did what they were supposed to do there's long stretches without dialogue like it's it's just an old school comedy it really does feel like that changed probably sometime in where the late 90s or like you said where we start to see like Uli Apatow, Jim Carrey yeah you know it was uh uh old school I credit with like yeah. kind of changing the comedy landscape and American Pie 
um, also changing the comedy landscape. And there's something about Mary. I think those three movies mm. completely changed how we make comedies now because they were all huge successes and they all were a very specific new style of comedy. And I think between the three of them, they completely killed just the traditional, um, you know, charming, cute comedy. Yeah, because those are probably the first like mega block blockbuster comedies that like did crazy yeah. box office and people were like, what's the difference between this and what we're doing otherwise? The frat pack, they call them, right? Like yeah. Jack Black, Ben Stiller, uh, Vince Vaughn. Yep. The brat pack got replaced with the frat pack. That's right. <laughs> and there, you know, like the, there's something about Mary, you know, the, the yeah. hair gel scene. That yeah. that one scene completely changed comedy. That sold the movie. It not, it not only sold the movie, I, it was the best thing and the worst thing that could have happened to comedy movies because... <laughs> I'm sure every executive... Where's your hair gel scene? ...is like, where's your hair gel scene? And why only have one? Like, that's kind of what comedy has become now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you haven't seen it, so I won't ruin... <laughs> There's something about Mary. But that opening scene, uh, which is like a flashback yeah. scene... Yeah. ...is killer. There's something about Mary is a very special movie. Like, I don't know any other movies where your lead actor perspective can change suddenly halfway through the movie to a completely different actor... Yeah. For like a Not third a of the movie, yeah, like it just suddenly became, um, it just suddenly became Matt Dillon's movie, yeah, like halfway through, and he was great too, and I didn't, care. I wanted to watch that movie too. It was very strange, it, very strange. That's another one that takes a long time to get yeah. going to, yeah, yeah. That's mid nineties, yeah, yeah. It does story wise, but that, for, but in terms of comedy, yeah, it hits out the gate, yeah, yeah. Like it starts with that flashback sequence, oh, yeah. with the whole the zipper. And then, you know, from that, they went into the Bill Murray, Woody Harrelson bowling movie where they're yeah. like, everything that they did in that, they just ramped up the stakes. So, you know, you haven't seen it yet, but those are the Farley Brothers, right? Yeah. So, they, that's, he knows Dumb and Dumber. And then me, myself, and Irene, like, you know, it went from the subtle hair gel scene, which wasn't subtle, <laughs> but it sure was subtle compared to the dildo scene in me, myself, and Irene. Yeah. It's like, that's what it became, right? We got to keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And, like, more taboo and more taboo. Mm-hmm. And now that's what we have. Like, we have these movies that are, like, it has to always be one-upping itself the whole time. And yeah, that's, that's really all. You need one big, like, laugh-out-loud scene, and then the rest of the movie, like, the audience is going to be, like, gripped, and they're going to want to capture that magic again. So they'll be much more patient than something older, something mm-hmm. like this, where it takes a long time to get going, and it's just sort of like, I don't know, is it, is it ever going to get there? Yeah, the trouble is people turn off movies too quick now. Yeah, people have no patience now. In the era of Netflix where you can just watch a billion things on one in one place, there, there's no need to wait for anything yeah. anymore. I, I think the comedy changed from then, though, too, because like that was the era. Like The late 90s, early 2000s was like the raunchy comedy. Like That's what they went yeah. for with every single one. And then that's the American Apatow Pie kind of moved it to the more realism, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, comedy's changed again. Like, yeah. we, like those are the ones that we don't. There's still some filmmakers that are making films like that, but I think yeah, we're definitely into a more nuanced comedy now. But there's yeah. still, I mean, we're still making all of them now. Like, there's different people doing I, different. I, I haven't seen anything like this though. Like, I don't know. No. Like, I would love, I would love for it to kind of come back to like just a a cute, charming movie that has some laughs. It doesn't have to be like you know some. But, you know, comedies can't get made anymore theatrically because the, uh, you know, I mean, Hangover, another one that kind of like really became a, you know, a game changer for comedy. Um, yeah. That became the, 
that became the um, event comedy, right? The kind of comedy that that they think can get people back into the theaters. Um, so they'll never make something like this again for the theater. It's no, I think no the money. only way they can get away with comedy is now they just do these big star-studded things, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, you want to talk about the music? Yeah, I think yeah. Danny Elfman. Uh, Danny Elfman. It was a, it was not his best score, but you knew it was a Danny Elfman score. Yeah. It was a Danny Elfman movie for the opening and then the very end. And then I kind of forgot halfway it through. It was really, like, it, it came out of the gate like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Like, that, that hard-hitting, this is a comedy score. And then it became this kind of gentle, kind of, like... I swear he only wrote the beginning and the end, and then like his assistant yeah. wrote all the middle stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but if you but if you listen to it, it kicks in like uh, you know it Nick kicks in points. and out at a couple of points. Like whenever something kind of you know whenever they wanted the audience to laugh, that little like you know <laughs> that the little um, 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 circus music, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like a musical laugh track. Yeah, exactly. I also thoroughly enjoyed the uh, risk of going back to that poker game up there that took them <laughs> oh, so long to get there. I love and just that. the second time they went, it takes almost equally long to get up there again. Yeah. And then just the idea of it going back a third time was enough for it to finish there. But like <laughs> that was also very nice. I just love how like it was. It was a nice subtle to that joke too. It was just when they pulled the picture and they both looked at it and they didn't have to say anything. Yeah. They yeah. just yeah. turned around. He's like, around. it's okay. And then they had the whole banter with the eyesight. <laughs> it just needed a bit more of that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you do you think it was earned when uh, when he says, "Is he your friend?" and Danny Glover says, "Yeah, my good friend." No, <laughs> no. I was like, "Wait a minute." It's <laughs> like I don't. When did that happen? At least <laughs> they're not staying in touch. No. I mean, ten seconds ago they were fighting to the death. Well, they don't need to. He fell off a waterfall. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, and Cody's version of the ending. This is the. This is that's it. <laughs> In which case, then yeah, he would fondly remember him because now he's dead. Yeah, there you yeah. go. But uh, there, uh, well, there's that moment before it all goes, like, like, where he's buying into it. He's like, I believe it. I, I, I see. I see what he, he saw. But then I don't know for some reason why he's again. So I think just so they can have conflict. Yeah. There's that moment when they they get, the, rug out. the Jeep gets stuck with you. He's like, I don't believe it anymore. He's like, why? It's, it's yeah, he goes, still... I was wrong. I don't know. What was I thinking? It's, it's the like, same oh. as it's always been. Yeah. And then reveals the, reveals the oh, you weren't in charge. Like, that felt so forced, I thought. Like, yeah. he had no reason to bring that up. That, the whole concept of making oh, him the... believe that he was in charge. <laughs> like, why would he is want only, to be in charge? Is only, I swear to God, that's a studio exec thing looking at the ship going we need a reason for them to fight in the third act and it's like well why would they fight he's like well I don't know what if he was supposed to be in charge and he finds that he's not it's like is that stupid it's like yeah. just do it <laughs> and we'll get lots of jokes out of it because Danny Glover's huge and the fact that Martin Short's the boss that's comedy write it and he smacked him yeah I mean it, there was no there was no story reason for that he was required to think he was the boss they didn't have to convince him to go no they offered him fifty thousand dollars like just like take him the fifty thousand yeah. dollars you don't need to be in charge who cares i don't know if it paid off but the moment they pitched the idea in the movie i was hooked i was like yes <laughs> doesn't matter why you're doing it this is what <laughs> it needs it works because danny glover thinks it's so stupid yeah like, so you have can you need a movie like this that has such a crazy ridiculous setup you need that skeptical carry going, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, I can't believe I'm going along with this, and he's so angry about it. 
that's the only reason that. But he tells here. everybody. Like he told the hotel lady that I, he was really in charge. I, I, yeah. I, th- <laughs> I think the idea was that for the 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 theory, like based on the guy's theory, and for the plan to work, I think they needed it to be that he was leading the way. And that all the misfortunate things that would happen to him if he led the way would just lead them to the girl. But you yeah. can still do that and have yeah. the other guy be the senior guy who's there to help him out, like that, rather than the assistant. I think it would have <laughs> just taken one line of them being like, "Well, he might—he's a little bit passive, so he might lean back and rely on you yeah. if he thinks you're in charge," kind of thing. But the way I—the—the the reason I liked it was because. Of Danny Glover being pissed, but also it being such a throwaway thing. Oh, by the way, just as he's about to come in the room, this is the deal. Yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> Why? Comedy! <laughs> Here he comes! <laughs> no reason. We thought that would be fun. Yeah, it's not like he's against... It's, a, it's, it's just a weird, weird setup for this character who is so, like, meek and small to have to, like, feel like... Have this ego boost... No. Utterly unnecessary. So the reason I, I actually never saw this movie um, was they did the whole B sequence in the in the trailer. Yeah. And I just thought it was so stupid. <laughs> I assume that was the sequence you, you were referring yeah. to. I thought it was fun. Uh, it was fun. In the in this context, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Like one of the stronger scenes. But in the in the trailer, like it just seemed like such a bummer. <laughs> like it just seemed like <laughs> such an obvious joke, I guess, at the time. Because the eighties were over, right? It's now the nineties and it felt I think to me at that time, um, old fashioned and just really goofy and silly. It's kind of like the same reason I didn't. I, I've never seen Gone Fishing with with Joe Pesci and and Danny Glover, even though I love Danny Glover, is because the trailer just looks so stupid. I never seen it either. <laughs> no, it's interesting that um, they, my my only issue with that this time around was just he's wheezing and about to die, and then all of a sudden he starts talking. I was like, wait a minute, you guys are playing real fast and loose with his breathing issues. Yeah, yeah, you know how long it takes to land a plane? Like, he would have been, like, long dead. And, real- well, that's it. and how long? And they had the crew was right there. There's a runway. Just happened to be on their path. <laughs> also, that's not how bee stings work. <laughs> well, he would notice. He wouldn't just be sitting there you know, getting huge. You know, uh, turn into, like, a beach ball. <laughs> like, you're, you might get, like, your face might swell up. And Well, if, if you're the un, an unlucky person, Ken, that is how it works. <laughs> but he had allergies. <laughs> He he explained it. He explained that he will die. I do love that. I do love some of the big dumb jokes though. Like we kind of talk about being shot, but just the fact that he's like, he gets he he's aiming at this thing, he gets shot in the leg. Like, that's just a great, stupid, great joke. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, final thoughts on pure luck. Uh, like I said, it was really funny. You really enjoyed it. Yep. Does it make you want? Well, because you haven't seen a ton of Martin Short, right? No, we gotta watch Inner Space. So, before we watched the movie, my guess was that he was gonna be really lucky. Yeah. yeah. So you were wrong. I was literally the exact opposite. (laughs) But I'm glad I was wrong, because I thought this was better and funnier. I mean, like, I thought this was gonna be a terrible, terrible movie. and, (laughs) And it actually kind of... I would see it again. I probably will own it in the future now. Like, it is a really just charming, fun, sat Sunday afternoon yeah. comedy. Yeah, this definitely won't be the only time I watch this movie this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming over, gents. Oh, always a pleasure. Yeah. Let's all go to the Thanks for joining us for Pure Luck. Let's all-
Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.